You are Locked On Titans, your daily Tennessee Titans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Titans podcast. I am your host, Tyler Rowland. Titans fans, this Rewatch Wednesday edition of the Locked On Titans podcast is presented by Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. And on this Rewatch Wednesday edition of the Locked on Titans podcast, I am dumping my notebook out for you guys, giving you all of my additional insights, all of my extra analysis from rewatching the coaches tape from the Titans victory over the Indianapolis Colts. So excited to step back into the film room with you guys for a second straight day on the Locked on Titans podcast and give you all of the additional analysis I picked up from the Titans offense and from the Titans defense from a schematic perspective. And I'm also going to highlight some individual players who had a great day for the Titans as well. So excited to talk about all of my rewatch notes with you guys. Also going to kick off today's show doing another power rankings roundup. So as I promised at the beginning of the year, each month this season, going to take one day and make sure that I update you guys on the power rankings from around the National Football League. And since it is December, better to do that at the beginning of the month because at the end of the month, the power rankings is essentially the playoff seeding. So we get our answer from that at the end of the year. So let's dive into where some pundits from around the league see the Tennessee Titans stacking up against their competition heading into December. So a rewatch Wednesday here on the Locked On Titans podcast. Tomorrow will be a crossover Thursday. We will begin our preparation for a massive game against the Cleveland Browns this weekend with a crossover conversation with Jeff from the Locked On Browns podcast. And then Friday will be a Football Friday game preview with my keys to the game, players to watch, fantasy, gambling, injuries, and much more. So make sure that you're subscribed to the Locked On Titans podcast on whatever platform you do stream. But it's Rewatch Wednesday. Time to head into the film room and open up the notebook. Let's get it. The Tennessee Titans head into week 13 at 8-3 and three on the year. They are going into what could be considered the fourth game out of the toughest four-game stretch that they have all year. Colts, Ravens, Colts, and then the Browns. So where do some of the national outlets that cover the NFL have the Tennessee Titans stacking up against their competition heading into December? Well, let's dive right in to the first set of power rankings in this power rankings roundup and that comes from the worldwide leader ESPN and of course ESPN's rankings are done as a composite ranking from their ESPN Nation bloggers one for each NFL team and ESPN's composite rankings has the Tennessee Titans showing up at number seven 
in the NFL, just behind the Pittsburgh Steelers at number one, the Kansas City Chiefs at number two, the New Orleans Saints at number three, the Green Bay Packers at number four, the Buffalo Bills at number five, and the Seattle Seahawks at number six. And this is what ESPN has to say about this ranking. This blurb comes from the Titans ESPN writer, Teron Davenport. Quote, the race for an AFC playoff spot is extremely tight. The Titans have the number three seed and are one of three teams with an eight and three record. The Browns happen to be one of those teams. A win over Cleveland has double value in that it keeps the Titans ahead of the Colts and counts as a much needed win over an AFC opponent. All three of the Titans losses have been against AFC opponents, so avoid Avoiding another one would be a major boost for the Titans' playoff hopes. End quote. Teron Davenport is on point right there. But as for the ranking at number seven, the Titans have beaten the Bills handily earlier this year after a COVID-impacted few weeks. So I don't see how the Bills can be ranked over the Titans at this time with the same record and a head-to-head matchup. Other than that, the Seahawks, the Saints, the Packers, I all think that they have a pretty good claim at being ahead of the Titans, but the Seahawks Hawks are the most debatable. Let's move into the second set of power rankings, and that comes from Danny Kelly at the ringer.com. And this is actually the highest ranking that we will see for the Titans in this power rankings roundup, and that is at number four. Danny Kelly has the Titans at number four behind the Pittsburgh Steelers at number one, the Kansas City Chiefs at number two, and then the Green Bay Packers at number three. And at this time, although the Titans and the Packers have the same record. I do think that it's a toss-up between those two teams and we'll get our answer on who the better team is in Week 16 in Green Bay when they do face off. But this is what Danny Kelly had to say in summation about his ranking of the Titans. Quote, In that showing and last week's win against the Ravens, Tennessee has illustrated not only how dangerous this offense really can be when it's firing on all cylinders, but also that it's capable of executing different types of situations, whether that's the build and early lead and coast format we saw on Sunday, or the come from behind style we saw last week when the Titans overcame an 11 point second half deficit. In any case, Tennessee cemented itself among the league's best offenses with its dominant performance in Indianapolis. The pieces are all there for a long postseason run. A trio of offensive stars in Tannehill, Henry, and Brown, a smart play caller in Arthur Smith, and an aggressive head coach in Vrabel, end quote. I think Kelly is spot on there about the Tennessee Titans' overall look, and with an improving defense, the Titans can truly do anything going forward in the season. Now, number four overall is a little bit high, but the Titans can prove they deserve that ranking by cementing a win against the Browns this weekend. The final ranking comes from Bleacher Report. It's also a composite ranking from a multitude of different writers over there, but they have the Titans at 7th as well, behind the Kansas City Chiefs, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Green Bay Packers, the New Orleans Saints, the Buffalo Bills, and the Seattle Seahawks. Again, I think the Seahawks and the Bills are questionable, but other than the Bills, I don't have any disagreement there with the other five teams ahead of the Titans. But as for my personal power rankings, I would have the Tennessee Titans as the fifth best team 
in the NFL. I would have the Kansas City Chiefs at number one. I would have the Pittsburgh Steelers at number two. The New Orleans Saints at number three. The Seattle Seahawks at number four. And then the Tennessee Titans at number five. And my reasoning there is the Titans are a better team than the Buffalo Bills. They already have proven that in uh, very adverse circumstances, dismantling the Bills earlier in the year on Tuesday Night Football. Also, the Green Bay Packers are a good team, but I find sometimes they just don't show up in big matchups. I also don't think they're an incredibly physical team. I think when the Titans get the opportunity, they're going to punch them in the mouth. And although Aaron Rodgers is, those teams are very similar, but Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback than Ryan Tannehill. It's just a reality. I still think that the Titans' physicality makes them a better team than the Green Bay Packers. So I just, and as for the Seahawks, I know a lot of you guys are maybe upset about that, but I trust Russell Wilson. That defense is rounding into form as they start to get get healthy, and I just have a feeling that the Seahawks are going to be, the. I think the Seahawks make it to the NFC Championship game this year, so I'm just going to throw that out there right now as things sit, but I have the Titans at fifth, Danny Kelly had them as high as four, but we're seeing the Titans at number seven overall, I think number six would be the uh, a place where I couldn't argue whatsoever if they got to six, I couldn't debate, I think it's five, seven is Uh, about right. I I won't be too upset there. So that's the Power Rankings Roundup heading into December. Remember, as I said, our Power Rankings Roundup for January is the playoff seating. So no need for any Power Rankings Roundup there once we get to the playoffs. But I am excited to get into Rewatch Wednesday. Dump my notebook out for you guys. All of my additional analysis from rewatching the coaches tape. So let's dive into that next. Before we do, want to tell you guys about Echelon when it comes to getting in shape staying in shape, nothing feels as good as that feeling of accomplishment, of hitting your fitness goals and feeling great about yourself. Echelon can get you there. Echelon offers the next generation of connected fitness bikes, fitness mirrors, rowing machines, and their all new Echelon Stride Smart Treadmill. No matter what your favorite fitness activity, Echelon gives you a fun, and challenging workout from the comfort of your home. Their world-class instructors will motivate you with thousands of daily live and on-demand studio-level classes always available when you need them. Unlike their competitors... Echelon is affordable for everyone, and one membership lets up to five family members all work out at the same time. The holidays are coming up. New Year's resolutions are coming up. What a great gift you can give yourself or someone you love, or remember, up to five family members on one membership. Give this gift to you and your entire family, but everyone's going to want to reinvigorate their fitness goals at the beginning of the year. It's the holidays. Do yourself and your family a favor and try Echelon's fitness equipment right now at home for 30 days. Go to echelonfit.com slash NFL. That's E-C-H-E-L-O-N fit.com slash NFL to take advantage. It is 
is Rewatch Wednesday, so it's time to open up my notebook for you guys, step back into the film room, and talk about my additional analysis, the extra tidbits that I picked up from rewatching the All-22, and I actually got this question from someone on Sunday during the game. What is All-22? So let me first explain that, if you know. Sorry to be redundant, but some people may not know. I want everybody to be on the same page. This is the trust tree. This is the nest of learning here. So All-22 is a reference to the coach's film. So the version of the game that you watch on TV is what we would call the TV copy. That is not what other teams use to scout their opponents. The Titans aren't scouting the Indianapolis Colts by watching what was on CBS. There's a different version of the game, two different camera angles. There's a camera angle basically at midfield that is zoomed out and shows all 22 players. That's why it's called all 22. That's what the coaches watch to scout, to develop game plans. They watch all 22 players so you can see what the coverage was. You can see what the route concept was. And then on the flip side of that, There's another camera angle that's used more to watch the defensive line, the linebackers, the offensive line, and that's the end zone camera. So there's a camera in either end zone, and it gives you a view of what's going on in the trenches more than the the sideline view, the all-22 view that I talked about. So when you take advantage of NFL Game Pass, which was a, a sponsor earlier in the season. When you get NFL Game Pass, you not only get access to the TV copy for every game, the condensed games, but you get access to the coaches film as well. Now there's a delay on that. It often takes a couple of days to come out. It can really affect my content schedule, quite frankly, but I won't cry too much about NFL Game Pass. It's been great uh, the last few weeks since they got things on track earlier in the season. But yeah, when I say all 22, when I say coaches tape, I am referring to the film that used by the teams and by the organizations, it's different than what you see on TV. So if anybody had any question about that, there's your answer. Let's dive into my Rewatch Wednesday notes here. One reminder, tomorrow is Crossover Thursday. We'll be talking with Jeff from Locked on Browns. He's been covering the Browns for a long time for this network. Very insightful, and this is a big game. So begin your preparation for the Titans against the Browns here on the Locked on Titans podcast with Crossover Thursday. Make sure that you subscribe on whatever platform you do stream. But on the defensive side of the ball, remember this is the second time that the Titans played the Colts, so they had a total different game plan than what we were seeing on that Thursday night. To, to remind you, on that Thursday night, the Titans played a lot of off coverage. They gave the Colts anything they wanted underneath. They didn't blitz a lot. They brought four guys on a rush more often than not. They didn't bring five. They didn't play a lot of tight man coverage. They played man coverage, but it wasn't very tight. They weren't very aggressive downhill. Uh, they weren't very provocative in their personnel groupings. They didn't do a lot of three Three five. They didn't do a lot of um, four two five two four five two four or two three six. They didn't really mix things up. They played a lot of nickel with their five defensive backs, their two linebackers, their four defensive linemen. They played base against the Colts as well with three defensive linemen, four linebackers. Um, I just thought it wasn't a very aggressive game plan. They totally changed that up in this matchup. The Titans were aggressive. For, well. 
I would say the first two drives looked like that initial game plan, and the Colts were really taking advantage of the Titans in man coverage and zone coverage, going to their running backs, Jordan Wilkins, Naheem Hines, and that's exactly what we saw against the Titans in that Thursday night football game, but they flipped that after those two first drives. The Titans started playing tight man coverage, being very aggressive downhill. They were bringing exotic blitzes on second and long, third and long. They were rolling coverage multiple times pre-snap, so single high safety, then to a two high safety, then back to single high. The flip side of that, they would show two high, flip to single high, back to two high with an inverted cover too. They're bringing pressure off the slot with Kenny Vaccaro up the middle and then Malcolm Butler off the side. They're bringing Amani Hooker down to play man coverage on a tight end and then blitzing Desmond King from the backside. They're, you know, dropping Derek Roberson from defensive end into a zone coverage and then blitzing Rashawn Evans. So the Titans were doing all kinds of aggressive disguise and this is Tennessee Titans football. This is exactly what they're trying to do. I can't even explain to you how happy I am right now after rewatching that game so many times this week. Defense is really what makes my heart tick. I mean, offense is fun, but the defense is really what sells me. And seeing the Titans be so aggressive, using those disguised coverages, those exotic pressures, those overloaded blitzes, dropping people back and forth, moving people around pre-snap to confuse Phillip Rivers. Phillip Rivers is a Hall of Fame quarterback, and the Titans use their disguise and their exotic pressures to totally flabbergast everything that he was trying to do and all of his process throughout the day. I thought the Titans were really intelligent. The Colts love to play 11 personnel, which is three wide receivers, one tight end, one running back. They play in shotgun. It's difficult to stop their running game in that light package. You got to put five defensive backs on the field to cover the three wide receivers, so it makes it easier to run against a light box. Well, the Titans countered that by instead of having Derek Roberson on the field, they had Jack Crawford as the defensive end. So they would have Harold Landry, Daquan, Jeff Simmons, Jack Crawford, and then the two linebackers and five defensive backs. So that's how the Titans countered that. The Titans played heavy man coverage. The Colts do not have weapons that scare you. I have been saying this all season long, even at the beginning of the year. It's one of the reasons I was down on the Colts. Michael Pittman's all right, but he's a rookie receiver who's still learning. T.Y. Hilton was a great receiver, but he's not the same guy he was in his prime. And then Zach Pascal... Just another guy in the NFL. He's not bad, but he's not anything to write home about. There's no reason that those guys scare you. Jack Doyle doesn't scare you. Their running backs are their best receiving options. Naheem Hines is their best receiving option that scares you the most. The Titans started putting a safety on Naheem Hines, a linebacker on the tight end. That was much more effective for their man coverage that they played much more heavily in this game than they did in the last matchup. Kevin Byard was kind of bad in man coverage early on. We saw him get beat very early. They were attacking Kevin Byard. He got better throughout the day. Everyone's asking me what's wrong with Kevin Byard, and all I can tell you is he just looks a step slow. He looks a little bit confused about his assignment. He's just a step or two behind this year than the speed and aggressiveness that he usually played for. I also want to say David Long is incredibly feisty, man. Outside of what he was doing in his assignment. He just likes to push people, likes to get in people's face and talk trash afterwards. And I just enjoy that kind of spiciness from David Long. I like that. I also, as I mentioned earlier, just want to point out how incredible it was the way the Titans used their personnel. They ran a 3-3-5, three linemen, three linebackers, five defensive backs with Daquan, Jeff, Jack, and then Harold, David Long, or Will Compton, and then Rashawn Evans. They would run a 2-3-6 with Daquan and... 
Jeff Simmons, and then Landry, David Long, Rashawn Evans, and then bring in Amani Hooker with the five defensive backs that normally play. They would run a 4-2-5, which is your regular nickel. I even saw them in a 1-3-7 with Jeffrey Simmons as the one defensive lineman, and then they had Roberson, they had Evans, they had Landry, and then they had seven defensive backs with Joshua Kalu added into the mix. So the Titans were being incredibly multiple, but when you have guys like Jeffrey Simmons, Tyre Tart, Harold Landry, Kenny Vaccaro, Will Compton, David Long, Malcolm Butler, who are all able, Desmond King, I mean, you can do anything. Bayard, Vaccaro, King, Hooker, Butler, all of these guys can play in the box. They can blitz, they're physical, they'll tackle. Rashawn Evans can be used as a pass rusher and an every-down linebacker. I mean, Kenny Vaccaro and Kevin Byard can be used as linebackers in passing situations. It's just incredible the versatility that the Titans have on defense. And now they're going to get Christian Fulton back. Now they're going to get Jadavian Clowney back. Now they're going to get Adoree Jackson back eventually before the end of the year, before the playoffs. I mean, this Titans defense is improving just dramatically week to week. And their potential going forward at the end of the year could vault the Tennessee Titans into a position where they could, in fact, win a Super Bowl. But that's going to do it for my defense notes we are going to jump into the offensive notes from this victory over the Indianapolis Colts in this rewatch Wednesday before we get into that though I want to talk to you guys about the best tasting protein bar in the galaxy built bar we had a promo code running with built bar earlier in the year and you guys sold out their inventory and that's when they just had their 12 original flavors now they're back in better than ever with a relaunched promo code and six even more delicious flavors the Caramel Brownie, the Cookies and Cream, the Cherry Barcia, the Lemon Almond Cheesecake, Carrot Cake, Apple Almond Crisp. The bars are still covered in 100% pure chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew, and they're excellent if you throw them in the fridge for a little bit after a workout. The bars are great for any health-conscious guy or girl as well. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and they're incredibly versatile no matter what diet you are on. And even if you took advantage of the promo code before, it has been relaunched for this new opportunity. You can use promo code locked on again at builtbar.com. You'll get 20% off your next order and a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. Once again, that's promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com and builtbar.com right now has some great Cyber Monday and Black Friday deals that you can take advantage of heading into the holiday season as well. off this rewatch Wednesday by diving into my additional analysis on the offensive side of the ball after the Titans dismantled the Indianapolis Colts and put up 35 points against this Colts defense. The Colts hadn't given up 35 points all season long and the Titans put that up on them in the first half in their building. So I know they were missing quite a few people. Let me just quickly talk about that too. I am so sick of seeing people online talk about the people that the Colts were missing or people in the national media talk about the people the Colts were missing. The Titans were missing Taylor Lewan, their star, star, one of the top paid left tackles in the NFL. Their backup left tackle, Ty Sambrillo. 
The Titans were missing Jadavian Clowney, one of the top edge rushers in the NFL. Maybe the Titans' top edge rusher, definitely their most talented defensive player. Not saying he produces all the time. The Titans are missing their number one corner, Adoree Jackson, their slot receiver, their chain mover, and Adam Humphreys. I mean, give me a break, Jayon Brown! I mean, give me a break with the boo-hooing about Bobby Okariki. Yeah, okay, DeForest Buckner's really good. But Danico Autry wasn't even that good in the last game that the Titans played against the Colts. So just get out of here with the boo-hooing from the Colts and the national media. Maybe the Colts aren't the best team in the AFC South. Maybe the Colts aren't as good as you thought they were. Maybe as the season progresses, it gets colder. People wear down. Phillip Rivers won't be able to hack it. The Colts' run game doesn't look as good. The O-line doesn't look as good. Maybe some of these pundits were just wrong about how great the Colts were. And they're going to blame the injuries rather than giving the Titans credit. Whatever. Let's talk about the offense and how they dismantled the Colts after that little momentary Rollins rant. But what I'm very impressed about is how Arthur Smith kind of adapts to the opponent that he's playing. So the Colts were very aggressive with their interior penetration, blitzing up the A-gaps by their linebackers. Um, The Titans tried to take advantage of them using those perimeter runs, those tosses, those pitches. They were effective. They were much more effective than they had been throughout most of the season, but that's by design because Arthur Smith is noticing the interior pressure that the Colts are trying to create. Well, here's one other thing that the Titans started to do a little bit more in this game. I've seen them do this in play-action scenarios, but haven't seen them do a lot of actual runs in this schematic sense. And that's pulling. That's trapping on offense. So the Titans basically ran this play twice, once to the right, once to the left. But they'll have Jonu Smith at tight end on the left-hand side. And he'll pull, once the ball is snapped, into the interior on the right-hand side, like where the right guard would be, as a puller. And they'll take the guard as well. So it'd be Roger Saffold, the backside guard. And Derrick Henry takes a fake step, a false step to the left, and then cuts back right. It's a double-pull counter. The Titans ran it twice. They ran it with Roger Saffold going one direction. They ran it with Nate Davis going the other direction. It was very, very effective both times. It's something that the Titans put on tape now for other teams to worry about, but it's also something that can really combat that interior pressure. So if teams want to start blitzing up the A-gaps and trying to ruin the Titans' outside zone and inside zone run scheme by that, then the Titans do have some pool runs that they can go to where they can down block on those blitzers as they get interior pressure. The guard that isn't pulling... The play side guard, as that pressure crashes through the A-gap, he can just wash that blitzer down away back to the back side of the play. And now you've eliminated that blitz and its effectiveness, and you have a puller coming through the whole front side to take on whoever is in the play side run fit. I mean, Arthur Smith, this is not a pulling team. This is not what this team does. But Arthur Smith is adding in these wrinkles to attack what teams are doing to attack the Titans' basic scheme of the outside zone run. So love that adjustment from Arthur Smith. Great job by Saffold, Janu, and Nate Davis in those pulls. Also want to say that the Titans 
Titans did a good job of throwing on first down, so the Colts tipped their hand. One of their tendencies was playing man coverage on first down. They loved playing man on first, so the Titans were passing early because they knew what coverage they were getting. They didn't have to worry about whether it would be man, whether it would be zone. They knew on first down they were getting man coverage so they could get man-beater plays called and get good chunks. So the Titans did a good job of keeping it varied on first down. In the first half, it was basically 50-50 passing and running on first down. Great job by Arthur Smith there, keeping the Colts on their toes. And one of the reasons that the Titans were having such success in the run game as well is because early in the game, the Titans were going with 12 personnel, 21 personnel. 12 is two tight ends, one back. 21, two backs, one tight end. And the Colts were staying in nickel with five defensive backs, and the Titans were just running it down their throat. They really trust Kenny Moore and Kari Willis to be effective and physical in the run game, but the Titans were just blowing those guys back off the ball, and the Titans' offensive line was absolutely dominant in this game, so that's no surprise. Not only was the offensive line great in blocking, but you got to give a lot of credit to the downfield blockers. A big tighten up that I kind of should have spent more time on on Monday, Cam Batson, Corey Davis, A.J. Brown, Jonu Smith getting down the field, doing a great job of blocking at the second level and on defensive backs to spring those runs just a little bit further, a little bit more downfield. Great job. I do want to say, though, that the Colts were not falling for the Titans' multi-tight end looks on passing situations. The tight end, or the Titans tried to on, like, third down, uh, second down and long. They would try to go with, like, three tight ends, Swaim, Janu, and Ferkser, because Ferkser is basically a pseudo-wide receiver. Janu Smith also has the athleticism of a wide receiver. So the Titans would go with three tight ends, hoping that they could get the Colts in their base defense with three linebackers on the field, and that'd give them more advantageous windows in the pass passing game, but the Colts weren't doing that. They were staying in that nickel. They weren't falling for the Titans' formation there, so that's one thing that the Titans were trying to do. It'll work better against teams that are less familiar with the Tennessee Titans, but one tight end that I want to talk about here because the Titans were using so many tight ends is Jeff Swaim. Swaim did a fantastic job. He had those three catches for 30 yards. That's not his game to be involved in passing, but the Titans have to find a way to get Swaim involved in the passing game at least a little bit so that it's not an obvious tell when he's on the field that they're running the ball, and they did do that multiple times. Like I said, three catches, 30 yards. That's more than Jonu Smith and Anthony Ferkser had combined. They put zeros up, so a great day from Swaim in the passing game, but also, of course, in the blocking game. He's basically an offensive lineman out there. The Titans are basically in a heavy set when he's out there, so really love his addition to this roster. Really important with the injuries we've seen to Michael Pruitt. The next thing I want to talk about is a schematic thing. The Titans, if you remember on Thursday Night Football, ball, the touchdown run to Jonu Smith. Jonu Smith starts on the left-hand side in a goal line formation. He motions to the right-hand side, then comes back to the left-hand side, takes a handoff from Ryan Tannehill, and he does the Ryan Tannehill finger roll as he goes into the end zone. Remember that play from the loss that the Titans had to the Colts. The Titans on Derrick Henry's one-yard touchdown, it was his second touchdown of the first half. On that one-yard touchdown, the Titans ran that exact same play, but they faked the handoff to Jonu Smith and then gave it to Derrick Henry, and because because the Colts remembered that play against Jonu Smith, their linebacker Darius Leonard, their linebacker Anthony Walker, and one of their safeties, which I believe it was Kari Willis, they were a little too occupied. They took one false step, had one moment of hesitation as Jonu Smith cut back to the left-hand side, and it allowed Derrick Henry to get to the edge and get to the pylon on the right-hand side. So once again, Arthur Smith doing little adjustments, doing little changes off of plays that he's already shown. So that was excellent from the Titans. The very last note I have on the offense is 
Uh, actually, I have two more. The fake crossers that I talked about last week, the Titans started doing in the second half against the Ravens, where they fake the play action, and then they fake a crosser, and then have Corey Davis dart back out to the outside. They did that twice in this game. The Titans have to utilize it in smart ways and not overuse it so that you know teams get used to it, but a great adjustment to all the crossing routes and over-the-middle routes that the Titans like to run with play action, and then another counter off of that, so you have the initial crosser, you have the counter of the fake crosser, cutting back outside, and then you have another counter on top of that where Corey Davis will fake the crosser, fake the outside, and then dart back up the field, and he had a few open opportunities on that in this game. So Arthur Smith continuing to adjust to how defenses are playing him and getting themselves open opportunities after that tough, rough period in the middle of the season for the Titans offense. That was Rewatch Wednesday, though. Tomorrow, crossover Thursday with Jeff from Locked On Browns. Let's begin our preparation for a big game against the Browns to together tomorrow in a crossover conversation but that's going to do it for me today stay locked in to the locked on titans podcast subscribe on whatever platform you do stream as always i am your host tyler roland and this was locked on titans